0: Welcome to 1001 True Stories. My name is Brian Trombla, your host, and thank you for joining me. This show is where you'll get to meet some of the nicest people on earth, most of them just regular, ordinary, everyday folks who experience something worth talking about. It could be anything from a ghost story to a celebrity encounter to a close call, even a family adventure that might have gone wrong. The theory here is that everyone has a story to tell, and we'd like to hear it. Today's guest on 1001 True Stories is Steve Stratton. He is a former White House communicator for the U.S. Secret Service and a retired Special Forces NCO. Now, what would you do if you were in the Secret Service and discovered a briefcase left at the front gate? Hi, folks, and welcome to the show. Once again, 1001 True Stories. And today, I think we got a fantastic one for you. And uh, I'm going to let this gentleman introduce himself and uh, tell you what he's all about. Go
1: ahead, sir. Thank you. Uh, My name's Steve Stratton. I'm uh, now retired and uh, writing books. Uh, But before that, I served at the White House for four and a half years as a communicator, then the Secret Service. And in and around all that, uh, I was a Green Beret and served in South America and such. And so, wow. yeah, I might have a couple stories. And uh, <laughs> glad to be here. It's, it just Excellent. sounds like a fun idea.
0: Yeah, so far it's uh, it's turning out to contain some very interesting stories. Let's put it that way. And uh, from what I can tell, you uh, might have some uh, couple of interesting ones from your presidential service days. We'll call it. How's that?
1: Yeah, that sounds good. Um, I uh, I joined the military in 73. And then in 74, after all my training, grew up in California and got taken across uh, all the way across the states to Georgia to finalize my training and then went up to DC and connected with my sponsor, was going to take me into work for the first day kind of idea. And as we're driving in, this is how old I am. So <laughs> <As> we're <laughs> driving in, he goes, you know what that is? I said, "Is that the Watergate?" And he's like, "Yeah, don't go there." It, <laughs> it was a it was a week it was a week before Nixon resigned. So yeah, it was a good time not to be around the the Watergate and Howard Johnson's across the street. So yeah, <laughs> that was my introduction to Washington D.C. and the politics. So There
0: you go. So is that pre Watergate,
1: like pre Watergate, and you were told don't go in there? A pre or post? Post Watergate, like a right. week before Nixon uh, waved us all off from the stairs of uh, Oh yes, HMX one, right? The helicopter. Right right, 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 right. Okay. Yeah. So after that, uh, you know, we've got now we've got President Ford, right? He was mm-hmm. he was VP and then uh, became president. And so, uh, crazy, crazy, funny story. From he loved a vacation in Vale, Colorado, right? okay 70s and um so i'm all excited i've never been you know i've been all around california washington oregon but i've never been to colorado we're in vale this famous ski resort and stuff and i just get told after we set up our communications networks up and down highway 70 and stuff and at the little airport he would fly into um i'm like the colonel's like hey steve you need to Take skiing lessons, you're going to be skiing behind the president. I'm like, wait a minute. No, no, this is not right. You know, <laughs> I I mean, I'm 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 stupid and fearless, you know, but uh or stupidly fearless. And uh, <laughs> but this is not gonna work out well. He's like, Yeah, I need you to go take a lesson, it'll be free, and uh they'll give you some skis and stuff like that. And and uh you need to ski behind the president and have the backup to the backup kind of radio because Uh, The unit I was in, we took care of all the radio systems and the microphone and the podium, everything to do with presidential communications and stuff like that. So we even took care of uh, the shop I worked in. We took care of the the walkie-talkies, the Motorola handhelds that the Secret Service had. And so I knew these guys. I knew the presidential detail guys. And I'm like, you really want me skiing with the president? They're like, yeah, yeah, go take the lesson. And sure enough, next day I go from uh, skiing the, you know, the, the switchback green route down the mountain to being on the mountain on a blue slope, snow plowing behind the president going, yeah, this is sort of sketchy. <laughs> I my, my legs, my shin still hurt from that's how hard I was snow plowing. I took, I took, I like half the mountain down the mountain with me. The snow. Yeah. So and, do- uh, he fell down. Oh, wow. Yeah. He fell down one time, just sort of slid out. He he didn't crash and burn, but he sort of slid out. And I wasn't paying attention. Next thing you know, the president stopped in front of me and the agents started to close in. And I'm like, whoa, 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 lifting up <laughs> a leg, cutting a corner, heading for the trees. They're like, what's Stratton trying to do? Run over to president, you know, the guys <laughs> heading for the trees. He's out of control. So I stayed uh, the next day. And, and after that, I stayed many, many more feet behind the president. And the team um out of the way that way if i crashed it wasn't a big deal you know wasn't going to be on uh abc news and that kind of stuff but that was <laughs> my introduction to skiing big long flat 210 skis right downhill skis and yeah my guy, it was just craziness uh the next year was a lot better a lot safer for everybody because i had <laughs> <laughs> I'd gone back to the east coast and skied so <laughs> uh, but yeah that was one of those crazy times where it's like you know you, you're up you need to go take the lesson and go
0: yeah exactly so um in regards to skill level i guess i'm not a skier so when you say blue and green and so on and so forth so would you say President Ford at that time was a, a very accomplished skier and you're basically
1: a newbie going down where you really shouldn't be? <laughs> yeah, I think he was more accomplished, but he was playing it safe at his age and and skiing a blue route I now know and many of your listeners know is an intermediate route. Okay. Green is beginner, blue is intermediate, and then blacks are for, you know, people who really know what they're doing are just crazy kids on snowboards nowadays, but Gotcha. Uh, yeah, yeah. So there I was. I mean, like say, you know, I had just essentially taken the lesson and now I'm going on an intermediate slope and uh
0: yeah. Right.
1: Too much well, excitement. That, there <laughs> you go.
0: So you were you weren't there for the infamous Gerald Ford um uh, slip down the uh, stairs of the uh of Air Force One, were you?
1: No, we um not unlike a submarine crew, we had multiple teams that could go out. There were teams still at that time, there was a team um there was a a sort of a contingency ready-to-go team at Andrews. There was one down in Homestead and there was one out in California, sort of the Nixon two places. He would go California and Mm -hmm. and, uh, Miami area, right? Florida. And so there were go teams, but then they would just pick teams and head out, you know, in support of advanced trips. So Vail was nice because it was get in, put the systems up, and then just rotate through on sort of normal work hours. Sure. Uh, Other times it would be go out in advance and work, you know, 18-hour days, getting ready the two weeks before the president would show up for three minutes. (laughs) Right. uh, Yeah, just to make sure the Secret Service had all the radio coverage they needed back then at those times before before we had cell phones and other things like that. So.
0: So you were one of the guys that were in charge of the little thing where they hold up their cuff like this and they talk into the cuff?
1: <laughs> Back in the day, exactly. Yeah. That, that in the cuff, there's a little square, little square microphone, um, sort of a tan-colored microphone to speak into. And of course, the the solution for when that would get icy and freeze up was to put something over it, but you had to make sure it was a non-lubricated kind of cover or sheet that you put over that oh boy. microphone. <laughs> so uh, there were a lot of different options. It's like use a balloon and the balloon was too thick, use a condom. And sometimes that worked or not, you know, just abandoned. And nobody gotcha. liked the condom idea. Cause it was sort of creepy. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. We had, uh, the, those are the earpieces, of the mic. And then we had big radio sets for longer, uh, communications. Uh, fun time. Right
0: on. So, um, how many presidents did you work protection on?
1: Um, technically that one week in nixon but mainly mainly ford carter and then a couple weeks of reagan oh okay um, when when reagan and bush won, were um you know the um the elected presidents but not not um uh, sworn in yet
0: correct i forget yeah. what that
1: designation president
0: president-elect yeah. i think that's it
1: <laughs> that's right president-elect yeah. yeah um I went down to uh, Houston and put in an alarm system. By that time I was in the secret service. And so I put an alarm system in um, uh, Bush's house down in Houston and stuff like that. They turned out to be a real nice. Most of the people I worked with were really nice Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, engaging with either the secret service and or the military folks that supported them.
0: We'll return to our conversation with Steve Stratton right after these sponsor messages. And now back to one thousand and one true stories with Brian Trombley.
1: Sure, um, you know occasionally you get some puffed up staffer who thinks he's all this or that, you know, and you go, you just sort of got to work around it because yeah, can't, exactly, you can't smack him upside the head and get him, yeah. get him back down to earth. But uh, yeah. yeah, so those, yeah, Nixon Ford, Carter and touch a Reagan, so. a little
0: bit of Reagan, and from there yeah. on, right? So. Yeah. Um,
1: Just an interesting point, maybe it
0: it must be stressful for you guys when there is a switch of presidencies and so on and so forth, is it? Or is it just same show, different day?
1: Yeah, it's um, luckily, like on the communication side, um, you know, you're really serving the needs of the staff, the the Secret Service and the staff, and also the president to communicate, you know, if he's on land or out at sea or any aircraft or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's not there may be a little bit of personality involved but not a whole lot on the communicator side on the secret service side when you're in closer contact with the protectee vice president back in the day Kissinger secretary of state or certainly the president um you do have those little little idiosyncrasies you know and and um like Clinton like to used to go for a run and stuff around right. town, things like that. <laughs> um, you know, something we didn't worry about too much with with the presidents that I was with. They sure. didn't go for runs. Um, they'd go for horseback rides and do other things like that, but not yeah. not really go going for a run. I
0: think a run or a horseback ride would be preferable for me over skiing.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah. Having owned horses, I would I would appreciate that. The, yeah. Um, uh, it did get a little strange when, like uh in 76, when we had the tall tall ships thing in, in Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. Ward was on the Forrestall aircraft carrier in the harbor, and then I was on a missile guided cruiser or yeah, guided missile cruiser, um, with uh Kissinger and Rockefeller, and they were some interesting personalities as Rockefeller is the vice president and Kissinger and just hanging out and being around them was just a treat to hear snippets of what was going on in the world. And then just sort of, you know, banter at that level, so to speak. Um,
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that there must have been things that were said where you must have went inside your own head and said, I don't know if I should hear that or not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, back in that, back in those days, Literally, I would be on a radio, for example, Vice President Mondale one time just went into the Virginia mountains up to a place where it was known for fly fishing. And he wanted to make a phone call back to the, you know, his house back in this, the CNO um, house back in, in uh, D.C., and I was in the middle of the radio transmission, so he would say something, and then when his son wanted to respond, I'd have to flip the switch the other way. So I was manually <laughs> flipping the switch that in the radio system that connected to two phone calls. And so I heard some things about um, uh, a, a son tearing up the lawn uh, at the <laughs> vice president's house with his dirt bike, and oh, boy. There better not be any weed at a party, and you know <laughs> stuff like that. And I was just sort of had. I had to listen, but I had one finger in one ear and sort of eyes closed, listening and flipping the switch kind of, <laughs> you know, I, I really don't want to know this stuff. Yeah. 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 And, exactly. And it's, right.
0: And and I guess at the same time, uh, it's just a little reminder that, Hey, they're just like us raising kids and have all those problems too. Right.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, uh, like well, I could, at, um, out in Vail, president Ford's sons were expert skiers and there were only a few secret service people that could keep up with them. And president Ford was like, try not to kill the agents today. You know, <laughs> you know, I don't want it. I don't want you guys creating avalanches on a mountain. So yeah.
0: Well, tell uh, me about working with president Carter.
1: I mean, uh, he's, he's still out there. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. He, um, he had a little bit of a different approach. Um, you know, it was sort of interesting. They're, Um, oftentimes we would put younger people right at the nose of the airplane at the bottom of the stairs so they could get a handshake from the president you know oh i see okay and um uh and i don't know if it was just a bad i forget where we're at but i'm not sure if it was a bad day or something else was going on he was but the president walked right by the guys that i had put in line uh went and talked to the to the police officers and other people that were sort of there for that quick handshake is before they motorcade off. And uh, I thought that I thought that was really rude. He never acted rude. Um, you know, Mondale was great. His wife, uh, uh, President Carter's wife, everybody was, you know, just really nice, except for like it, it must have been a bad day. You know, he okay. just like, walked by. But um yeah, we would, uh, you know, we'd be doing things and like the, the president's chef would come and say, you know, I got some extra. And I'm like, I don't, I don't care what it is. As soon as you say you got some extra and you're the presidential chef, I'm coming, I'm, <laughs> I'll be there. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit of a, still a bit of a foodie and I never passed up a, a free meal. So yeah, you, I, I got it. I, yeah. I know where you're from. My wife
0: was, uh, worked in food service and wherever she could take care of people like maintenance and so on and so forth. That way she got things done.
1: (laughs) Well, it's funny because my whole family was Navy and merchant Marine, but uh, I, and I could, I could kayak, I could canoe, but get me out into the blue ocean, you know, on a rough day and I'm losing weight right over the side. (laughs) And so I went in the army and, um, when, uh, uh, you know, army food is not nearly as good as Navy and Air Force food. So oh, really? we were all okay. sneaking around to try and get into different chow halls and do things. Uh, but when we went down to, um, when we went with Carter down to America's Georgia, right down, he went home to the peanut Farm and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, we did, they, uh, we often ate at just this double wide trailer that somebody pulled up and turned into a restaurant because they knew they could make money feeding the agents and the support staff and stuff like that. Cool. And that opened my eyes to a lot of Southern cuisine and grits, of course, and and different things like that. But uh, yeah, the um, most of the staff, like I say, most of the time the protectees, the staff, they're just very, number one, they're used to it. Number two, they're um, comfortable with it. You having you around and know that there's limits you know like there are certain places in the white house unless it's an emergency the secret service isn't going into the residence and bothering the president right right. you know right. same thing on travel um and we just sort of try and stay out of the way you know let the staff and the president do what they do
0: yeah but exactly yeah so yeah, um do you recall anything with any of your presidential duties where there was, and and I don't know what you're allowed to talk about <laughs> still yeah. to this day, but was there like a. Oh, moment. And then whew, you got out of it kind of thing, or uh, uh, did it ever get close on your watch or anything like that or something get crooked, go, go, go sideways
1: as they say in the business, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, as, um, as I was, what's called a technical security specialist. So used to joke that I wasn't an agent standing in a hallway waiting to get shot, um, (laughs) you know, on a protective detail. Um, Okay. But what, what, what technical security division did back in my day is we did alarms, video bomb detection, chemical weapons detection. So we did all the physical and electronic security of the white house. And this is the kind of things we focused on, on travel. Mm -hmm. One of my jobs would be to coordinate all the EOD teams and the dogs bomb dogs that i would bring in to check an area out make sure it was clear yeah right before the the president and whoever got there um so especially on the advanced trips and uh whether that was him going to the uh, sheridan and and to speak uh, like with billy graham and in in dc or if it was a trip to overseas or you know new york city that kind of thing
0: sure
1: and uh um, so I was trained in in explosives and went to a couple of classes on improvised explosives, and uh, presidents in the White House, just an everyday workday. And I think it was about ten o'clock in the morning. And one of the Secret Service officers, who um, the uniformed officers who who looks more like a policeman at the White House than you know a mm-hmm. regular agent in a suit, yeah. Um, I get the call. I'm at I'm at the our command center, and I get this call that there's a suspicious package outside the gate. Oh, great! Yeah, and and I it probably hadn't been a month since I'd gone through the training, and I have a very imact- <laughs> active imagination, and I'm like, this is not going to be good. Sure enough, there's a satchel out there. It looks like a lawyer's, you know, uh, satchel. A boat, yeah. yeah, yeah. A valise yeah. kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And, uh, there's that satchel out there. There's no name on it. There's no indication. Oh, it's sitting there. It looks a little bit used and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh God, here we go. Call the, call the local air force EOD guys, take the equipment out there. What first thing they teach you in, in EOD school is, uh, the more times you approach the device, the higher your risk of getting blown up is, right? <laughs> you go at it and you look at it and say, okay, well, we'll just throw this into the, you know, into the cement mixer looking device like they have nowadays um, that can take and contain an explosion. The more times you you approach the device, the higher your risk goes up. So I'm looking at this thing and there's no name on it. And so I go, I actually go and get an X-ray, portable X-ray machine and this is an old machine that spews out the green oh you know, yeah gray. yeah 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 and yeah. and i'm not even i'm not even looking um it's not like i have a plate you know and i'm taking a chest radiograph right x-ray or anything like that so it's sitting close enough to the wall i'm just going to spray this x-ray at it and and see it, what kind of shadow i get on the wall behind it oh okay and interesting so i so i i um, make the shot and I can't tell what's going on, but there's a bunch of junk in this bag. And I'm like, Oh man, Damn. I don't want to have to blow this thing up here to, to like <laughs> stop a detonator or anything like that. Yeah. And just about the time the air force team gets there, that's going to support me. Uh, the air force team comes in from Andrews. Uh, they were the ones on call. It could have been an army guys from South and Virginia and Belvoir or whatever. But just about the time they come with their better equipment, it's like the guy, some guy, walks over and goes, "Hey, can I have my bag?" And I'm like sweating (laughs) bullets. I'm like, I don't know if I want to hit you, shoot you, or kiss you. You know? (laughs) Yeah. No
0: kidding, eh?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was. uh, And now this was outside the White House. Right. This was outside the White House. Right. Okay. Yeah. So this is. So, so in between the executive office building, the old gray mansion looking building in the White House. Correct. And that driveway, it was just to the right of that on the South side. Uh, and huh. it's like, how do you leave a bag? You know, I'm like. Yeah, no kidding. Especially there. Yeah. yeah. And this was pre 9-11. So it wasn't, there was no outer security cordon. Sure. It was the fence there and the, the granite walls and things like that. hmm And, uh. The whole time, you know, I, I mean, I'm glad there weren't cell phones and people taking videos because, you know, it would have been <laughs> it would have Yeah. Secret Service guys are like they I got I got written up for superior performance and handling it the right way and all that, but it was like uh, that that one was like, wow, I think I'm going to, as soon as I get off work, I'm going to have two or five beers with gear whiskey or two to chill out. Yeah,
0: exactly. That, that's uh, all they
1: did in those schools was put the fear of God into us. So, yeah. I
0: bet. No kidding. Eh? And uh, when you were in the military, you didn't have any EOD explosive um, training or anything like that?
1: Well, when I was in the military, I had explosives training, but it's about blowing things up. And uh, creating the devices, not defeating the devices, not stopping you. the device. So is the other side. Yeah. Yeah. So I had both sides of the training and I knew what I could think of and what I could do. And that's not good. But you know, the active imagination is really good in writing. And you know, when you're a, a bomb guy, you got to just take it a little slow and a little bit at a time and not assume anything. So yeah. the equipment's much better now. Of course, we have robots that can pick things up, move them. If they get blown up, it's a it's a robot from you know, Boston, made in Boston. It's not, you know, Steve made in California.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Now, when you approached what you thought was, might've been a, a, an explosive device, uh, were you wearing the big uh, suit like we see in, um, uh, (laughs) I can't remember the name of the movie now, but you know what I'm I'm talking about, right? The big bomb suit.
1: Yeah. No, um, no, we didn't have any of that. I'm in, I'm actually in my, you know, Jacques Penny, <laughs> JC Penny designer suit, you know. Um, you know, uh, no, I'm just look like another working stiff. And it's so and that's it's, it, eh? Yeah, yeah. And, and like I say, didn't have a robot to walk up there, no video, anything like that. Just sort of walked over there and looked at it, saw it, didn't have a tag on it. And I wasn't going to go up and manipulate it or touch it. Just
0: <laughs> you not going to walk up and give it a kick or something, right?
1: Yeah. You know, <laughs> crack it open. Is it really a bomb? No, I don't think so. <laughs> um
0: yeah yeah that's craziness man that's really good yeah
1: and it's just you know it's and and i'm not sure what equipment they have on site nowadays but we relied on the the the, the military bomb teams to have all that equipment um, right you know um fbi fbi there's a lot of agencies i mean as you can imagine <laughs> washington dc is just stuff full of law enforcement agencies. There's the D.C. Metro cops, all the cities that surround them, yes. all the law enforcement agencies that have different SWAT teams and. Special the capital
0: has their own police force, I believe, too, don't they? The
1: capital has their own police force, right? Yeah, right, yeah. But those guys never made me feel comfortable. Um, I went to the Capitol one time, and we cleared this big room, and I brought in a, a Secret Service bomb dog his name was fang he was about 130 pounds and he had a gold he had a gold incisor oh really (laughs) yeah he 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 would go from complete maniac badass to to puppy in in you know in seconds he was just like bipolar he was a gangster (laughs) oh yeah kenny his handler was about six three two sixty you know that's what it took to handle fang uh but um the bomb dogs uh secret service bomb dogs and most bomb dogs nowadays are taught to passively um, you know show you there's something so they just sit down and look at you like you need to check this out right and the uh, for i don't know if it was a new dog or just different training but the dog that came in from the from the capitol police it just stuck snows into a package and that was another time I left the room. I'm like Kenny, let's go. these guys are out. out of control. I'm out. Kenny, Kenny's eyes got big. Fag was like, that's what? these other dog doing?" You know. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, just, uh, just some kind of craziness. But uh, oh, excellent, a excellent, of, a lot of fun. I love it. You're also an author, right, Steve? Yeah, I've got a couple books out. Um, spent a bunch of time down in South America. Uh, doing, uh, even here in the United States, doing counter-drug missions nice. uh, with the military. We actually would do training in an area, um, but DEA would pay for everything, and we would just let them know if something suspicious was going on. Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, we didn't have arrest powers or anything like that, which is yeah. appropriate. Are but, your books, uh, uh, sorry, are your books yeah. fiction fiction, or nonfiction? Fiction with um, real-life elements in them. Ah. And uh, stories, things like that. And um, in my books, my first one starts. Shadow Tears starts in 1998, and so we haven't caught El Chapo yet. Ah. He's uh, El Chapo's in a, a Supermax prison, uh, not all that far from where I live, outside of Denver. Here, wow. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, they won't let me go talk to him. You know, but
0: uh, <laughs> excellent. And and what are the titles of your books, and where can the folks find them?
1: Yeah, Shadow Tears, the first one shadow sanction is the second one you can find them at amazon um i just lost my publisher so i'm republishing the books okay oh so the first one shadow tears should come back up on the marketplace here shortly and uh it's in review and i'm actually re-editing the second book to put it up but yeah it's uh they're about they're about it's about the drug wars and chasing after cartels and things like that
0: nice that's uh that's my kind of story. I've been into that a lot lately. I've been watching those kind of shows. So
1: awesome. Steve. You have to send me your info. I'll send you copies a couple copies.
0: That would be awesome. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Okay. Steve Stratton, man, ha- has done a lot of cool things. I'll tell you that. I think we could probably go through your career and fill a few shows at the same time. Who <laughs> knows? I might be back in touch with you. Uh thank you once again for coming on the program, Steve, and I much appreciate it. And uh, uh thank you for your stories and thank you for your service too sir
1: well i appreciate it thanks a lot for having me on this was a lot of fun
0: thanks for joining us on 1001 true stories with myself brian trombley and if you think you have a story to share or know somebody who does email me at brian at moranstreetmedia.com that's brian at moranstreetmedia.com the link is in the show notes We enjoy reviews as well as you sharing our show with others. There will be a lot of new stories from more interesting people every Saturday at noon Eastern Time. So until next Saturday, this is 1001 True Stories with Brian Trombley. Everyone's got a story. What's yours?